When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Pastor Jack Martin. He is a father, husband, and patriot, and he is running for the congressional seat in Florida, District 11, I believe it is, right? That's correct. How are you doing today? I am doing well. It's a beautiful day. We had a couple cold days, but it's back to normal. Yeah, I heard that. It was a little bit chilly, especially where you are in Florida, right? Yeah, but- we were down we were down we were down at twenty-four the other night. Yeah, that's definitely not the norm. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what made you decide to run. I, it, it really goes back, Courtney, to, to two thousand and one mm-hmm. when the towers got hit the following Sunday. I preached a message out of of the Old Testament on the blessings and cursings of God. And I talked about how far we have kind of fallen from the ways of the Lord and and how sometimes we've left ourselves open to to the kind of things that happen. And it did make a lot of people happy when I said it. But I think as the next few years wore on, I said back then, I said, if if in three or four years they're still waving flags, lining up to give blood and going to churches, uh, I'll I'll agree with you. But if, if that's all gone, I'm going to tell you it's going to be worse. And then from there on out, I I started getting in, involved with Family Research Council, Tony Perkins in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. uh, began to go to all of their conferences in D.C. and just really started getting a whole lot more informed. I'm, I've always known the Constitution. I Even when I was a kid, I, my favorite subject was history. Uh, I, I could fail so many other things, but I loved history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that really drove me. Really? And why so? Why, why did, what about reading the constitution, studying history drove you? I, I don't know. I've, I've just, I even world history. I love reading about the empires, how they came up, how they fell, what caused them to fall. Yeah. Uh, but in the, in the United States in particular, back in, in, uh, to, uh, yeah, 1997, let me get it right. I gave my heart to the Lord. And when I did, my whole focus shift, and I started going through books like The Light and the Glory by Peter Marshall or the David Barton series videos and learning the history, including the Christian element in it. And it really was stunning how many ways God was involved in our in our nation's foundation. And the more I did, I began to look at, at the founding documents himself and realize that like 26 of the signers were, were seminary graduates. There was a lot of things that way where God had a hand in it. And I, I really think it's the reason why the Constitution's been as enduring as it has. But you think what's the reason why the Constitution's been ignored? No, not ignored, oh. enduring. Oh, uh, enduring. Why, 
Okay. You're freezing. You froze. I don't know if it's you or me, but you're frozen. Founders and actually include. So sorry, you were totally frozen that whole time. I don't know if this is you or me, but definitely having a freeze up. Sorry. Um, okay. so, yeah. So start over. You were saying that uh, is the reason the Constitution has been has been what? Enduring. Enduring. Okay. You know, was that it? Like, if you look at the the three branches, there's a verse in Isaiah that talks about God, my King, God, my Lawgiver, God, my Judge. And it was from that verse that they came up with the Supreme Court, the legislative branch, and the executive. And there's so much of that that the founders look back to people like John Locke, and they studied their writings, and they put them into play in how they wrote the the, uh, the Constitution. I, I kind of laugh today when they talk about the Second Amendment, and they make it like it was established to, to get a hunting license. And it had nothing to do with that. They knew if they ever faced tyranny again, they wanted to have the built the ability to have weapons to fight it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you you had said that the uh, nine eleven had impacted you, and can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, I was at the time, and I I just stopped about a year or two ago. At the time, I was the chaplain for our our county fire department, and we had guys who had family that were actually there. One one fellow lost his son as a firefighter. Another one lost his son-in-law. He was on, on one of the upper floors in a business meeting. And they, the FDNY retired guys asked me to be the chaplain for their group too. And so I started to do that. And, and for the 20 years that they've done it, I've been the MC at all of the events. I uh, did a lot of the planning for them. It just, it just hit me that we had become so vulnerable Mm -hmm. to it to an attack the type of attack that we had that that nearly three thousand people would be killed in one you know single day mm -hmm. yeah of course of course so and how is that tied to your that that's kind of what got the ball rolling but that's not what made you decide to run now right no no there's there's a whole lot i was chaplain for the fire department for 17 years mm -hmm. and at one point in time two of the fire board members didn't like that i spoke up against some of the things they were saying and so they went to our Fox News channel here and reported that my webpage that was attached to the fire department page was unconstitutional. And so initially they pulled it down. It was a chaplain's page. They pulled it down and I appealed to the Florida state and I got an attorney general's ruling and won and they put it back up. Uh, and, you know, they hated me for it, but it, it is what it is. But I also had the lawyer there that every time I would pray at the meetings, before the meeting, he would look at me and say, hey, listen, whatever you do, don't pray in Jesus' name. You're not supposed to do that. And I'd thank him, and then I'd pray, and then I'd close in Jesus' name. Uh, and I, you know, I explained to him over and over, the word says, ask anything in my name. I said, that's his name. But you know, from there, things built. We got involved with the school board in 2016 over in Marion, uh, Marion County, Florida, they were fight, fighting over the transgender issue and having boys and girls shower and, and, and change in the same locker room. And we went over and we fought it. We were able to get it where they established gender by biological gender at birth. And, and that was great. And then mm -hmm. in 2018 in Pasco County, Florida, is a good friend, Robert Pitizano. He was a gym teacher. He would not watch a girl shower and change with the boys. So they put out a series of emails where they were going to they, they were going to suspend them. 
-hmm. I got involved with that with Liberty Council. Uh, and, you know, we, we worked through that. We got, got where they couldn't do that. Uh, and now in Hernando County, we're fighting both the critical race theory and we're fighting the, the, the transgender issue. They're sending, you know, people on, the, you know, employees to gay conferences to learn how to incorporate that in their schools. And I don't, you know, I'm not here trying to tell them they don't have the right to live the way they want, but they don't have the right to impose that on, on everyone's children. And, and my recollection is reading, writing, and arithmetic is what school is supposed to be about. But I mean, there, there have been other issues in the, in the county and in the state. With Tony Perkins, one of the ones I really liked, they had a thing for, for about 10, 11 years called Pulpit Freedom Sunday. And what you would do, I don't know if you know Jim Garlow out there in San Diego. Uh, he was Gina Loudon's pastor for a while before okay. she moved back. But uh, we would record on a specific Sunday a message that violated the Johnson Amendment. It would name candidates, their weaknesses, why they should or shouldn't be elected. And we would mail them to the IRS and we would challenge them to sue us. Well, not not once in like 10 or 11 years did they ever take any pastor uh, to court for it. They know that if they do, that they'll lose. They know that, that the Johnson Amendment will be declared unconstitutional. But it's all, all been issues like that. And, and, you know, in our own district here, uh, Daniel Webster's our congressman. Uh, he's been in office 40 years, 28 in the state, uh, 12 going for 14 if he gets elected uh, in Congress. He moved into the district to run when he was going to be beat in his own district. And, and so you, you look at it in the old history books, you studied carpetbaggers mm -hmm. where they, they would move into an area just to get elected. I've been here 25 years in the same district fighting in, in all of the counties. Uh, my, my thing is I fought in the shadows. I did everything behind. Uh, there, were, there were years Ralph Reed uh, with the Christian coalition would give out voter guides. Our church was a church of only about 150, but we would give out all the voter guides in two counties because no other church would do it. And, and it's things like that, that I've just always had a heart. I, every message I preach, I don't, I don't step away from issues. I, I call them the way the word of God does. Right, wow. So what are some of the things that you're really hoping to be able to do um, if you're elected? Hey, one of the things, the Lord had put it on my heart a while back. Remember back in 1994, Newt Gingrich did the, uh, the contract with America. And, and I was thinking back, I'm thinking when we did that, we actually came into it with an agenda. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, most of the time we vote them out, we take the House or the Senate and we don't have anything. So I sat down and I, I wrote down 21 things. I call it my contract to store, restore America. And it begins with things like rebuilding the wall, you know, an obvious thing we need to do, but ending the federal department of education, putting education back in the hands of the states prioritizing our, our military, both the veterans and, and the active duty, uh, supporting military technology. China right now is, is gaining on us in light years, but there, there are 21 different issues uh, oh. that I've listed. And my goal is to get in and to work at every single one of them. One that kind of gets everybody, I'll say to them, we need to remove the United Nations out of the United States. You know, we need to send them packing. You know, they, they're in New York, they're costing us millions, maybe billions a year. Uh, they defy our parking rights. There's probably a million dollars in parking tickets that are paid. Uh, we, we've really got to say, guys, we've paid our share. It's somebody else's turn to step up and do it. 
they're they're stabbing us in the back while we're while we're footing the bill. It's so true, so true. And uh, the United Nations is just one front organization that yep. you know for all of those globalist organizations that are uh, right on our home front. Yeah, and they're thank God. You know, one one thing that we all know is 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 voter ID and getting you know election integrity. Yeah. Here, here where we live. Our, our superintendent's Republican, but she took like over $100,000 of the Zuckerberg money. Mm-hmm. And we, we just have got to get all of that out. At least here we have paper ballots. And so we have a chance. But th- this last election, there's Mike Lindell came up with so much information on the fraud, a, a factual tracing of where, you know, IP addresses and stuff. And we, we just can't have it again. I, In my honest opinion, I don't believe they really won the house in 2018. I, I think we just didn't catch it in 2018. They knew to get rid of Donald Trump that they had to have the house to impeach him. And I, I basically think they may have stolen that back then. Well, I, I don't know if you can see this big book, Tragedy and Hope. Are you familiar with Carol Quigley? I've heard of her. I, I haven't read it. Like, uh, he claims that you know the CFR have pretty much rigged our election for the past hundred years. So. Um, I, I, the, the more I look at it, it seems like he, he may have had a point. So, yeah. Even even Obama back in the second term, his approval rating was so low, it, it just didn't even seem reasonable that he won. No, it really didn't. So the question that I have, though, is that if there is validity to that, which personally I do believe that there that he might be accurate on that, um, he wrote it mostly as an admission, not as a... Uh, discovery. So um, I, my question would be then if it goes so deep, what are some of the ways that we can uh, solve this problem? Well, one of the people that was involved with the president early on and and they got him out of the picture quick was general Mike Flynn. Mm -hmm. And and, and general Flynn is very knowledgeable of all of that. We, we really need to get in. I, what couple of the points on my, on my 21 points Mm-hmm. are to actually go through the FBI, go through the, the CIA, and yep. really, really weed out the people that are bad. And, and if you can't, with the FBI, if you can't weed them out, then do away with the, part, the department and come up with an altogether different department. I mean, it's not going to be easy. There, when, when Trump came into the White House, there were already people in the White House that were, that were people that were there by plan. Comey made it plain, you know, McCabe was willing to wear a, a, a wire. I mean, uh, Rosenstein was willing to wear a wire. Uh, so we're gonna, it's going to be a hard trace, but it, we have to do it. And, and if we don't, we're throwing the Republic away. I, I so agree with that. And I, I think that, that those problems run very, very deep. Uh, you know, when they call it the deep state, it, it's, it's very deep. And it is, uh, unfortunately, it runs beyond the borders of our nation. So, yeah. yeah. So it is. A- that, I mean, and, and George Soros, you know, Soros is, is neck deep in it. But also the, the people that meet in Davo are, are, are neck deep in it. There some of this with the COVID, they had talked about it a year or two earlier. What would happen if Amer- in America if a, a bat-induced COVID virus affected the nation? You know, I mean, they basically laid their hand right out before us. And they always do. This is what's so astounding to me. They always do. They throw it in your face and then they lie about it. And the masses believe it. They believe the narrative that's put forth. And I'm just like... 
Well, they 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 own the media, and and I mean, if you look at if you look at a lot of the relationships, especially under Obama, but more you know, the same now, you've got a husband and a wife that are married. One of them works for CNN, and the other one works in the White House. Mm-hmm. There there are so many people that are involved. Even in the the thing with Trump, the husband and wife, she worked for for Fusion, and and he worked for the DOJ, and it's like they're passing information back and forth. there's so much that I'm praying that the Durham report actually lays things out because I I really believe Hillary should be in jail. There's a lot of people in the government, uh, Brennan, uh, Clapper, a bunch of them that that were way too involved in all of this. I I felt sorry when they did the report by him, when they, when they picked the the general counsel to do it originally, I don't think he had a clue. He looked like he was as brain sharp as Biden is right now. And he had no idea what was going on, but the report was in his name. Wow. So what were what are some of the steps that could be taken? Because I think that I'm certainly not privy, um, but, you know, I there's there's claims, at least I can say that Trump was really trying to do some of this, you know, the, the term drain the swamp, you know, um, and uh I, I've had, you know, I, I won't say arguments, but I've had discussions with people who, who are like, well, do you think he's controlled opposition? You know, basically like he's, you know, the uh, not what has been presented. And I personally, it's not that I believe that, but I do believe that it's way more complicated and nuanced than, you know, one might like to believe. And, uh, you know, do I think that he may have had the best of intentions, you know, possibly absolutely it seemed it seemed that way on the outset um but you know i he he's human he has his weak weak points and he kept certain people way too close for my comfort um so (laughs) right um so all this to say that i'm curious this is a a very complex problem this is not going to be an easy thing to tackle but i think it's arguably one of the most important things that we could do if we are to save the Republic. So what are your thoughts on how would we go about it? Cause I know you said it wouldn't happen overnight. It's just, you know, pretty difficult. No, it's it's going to take, a, I mean, somebody of Durham's quality to go through the FBI, to go through the CIA. And it, it won't be easy because I've watched our government for years undermine other nations. The CIA has tactics. They go in, they cause confusion, they cause uprisings. Well, exactly what they've done in other countries. They work with other countries to do this as well. I mean, that's again, the global collusion. There are organizations in other countries that work in conjunction with our CIA. Yeah, and and but it's exactly what they did in our country. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, you're going to have to find out who the good guys are. It's going to be very hard to do. Uh, I think somebody like General Flynn would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to see him tomorrow night. Uh, he endorsed me for for Congress, but I'll, I'll I'll see him tomorrow night. I may ask him. I say I know a lady named Courtney. She'd like to know how we're going to get through this and see if he tells me. Uh, but realistically, realistically, it's going to take the patriots in government who have watched and know what's going on. It's going to take some of the people in the FBI who know what's going on and they've been silenced and, and they're suddenly going to have to be able to speak, maybe whistleblowers, things like that, where this information can come out. And I hate to say it, there's going to have to be trials for treason. I mean, there's, there are people whose actions I believe are treasonous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that is true, 
then we can't just go, well, in, in 2022, we don't do that. It's treason in any age. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with that. I I so agree, and I really hope it is dealt with because action should have consequences. Exactly. And, you know, inaction has consequences as well. So, you know, if these people get away with the, the things that they've done and the disservice they've done, the treason to this country, uh, that, that needs to be accounted for. And the, and the world is watching. The, 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 any part of the world that is good, that does love America, they're watching and they're, they've got to be wondering what in the world is going on here. Why are they letting it happen? For sure. Well, I, I have this analogy. I call it the beekeeper analogy. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard me say this, but I, they say that when all the, the bees go, that, you know, humanity will cease to exist because, you know. No more the, honey. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's pollination. The, the ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. And they're kind of like the, the focal point of the ecosystem in that way. Um, and so they're integral. So um, I say that, you know, when America goes, so the world will follow. And so America is like the beekeeper and it's incumbent upon Americans to preserve the free will of humanity. And that's why people all over the world are looking to America, not just yeah. as an ally or out of, you know, love and respect for this country, but it's because they think that we're the hope for them to have any freedom, for them to have their free will preserved. And, you know, if we fall short, then there's no hope for them. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Trevor Loudon. Yeah, I had him on actually. I had him on one of my earliest. Trevor is a good friend of mine. He actually introduced me the name that the day that I announced and he endorsed me the day I announced. Trevor, Trevor will tell you that the United States is the last great hope. And if we fail, there's nowhere left to go. Uh, and and I think anybody that that is even half alert to what's going on realizes if we fall of socialism the world is is gone there's nobody there fighting in the trenches for them anymore and I, i'm nervous right now if you watch what's going on with with uh putin uh with the ukraine putin right now has has germany in his pocket you know they're they're, they're turning their back on us france is turning their back they're negotiating with him without us uh, and they're dependent on, I think, over 50% of the oil or gas comes from Russia. And uh, they're kind of like, hey, America, we really don't need you. And those alliances that for years were so important are, are really being tested. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, that is really scary. Do you have thoughts on what's going on over there um, and what will happen? I, I'm concerned, and I, I'll say this from a pastoral point of view, uh, in, in end time scripture, you'll talk about Ezekiel 38 and 39, chapters 38 and 39, and it talks about an army coming down from the north, which most biblical scholars believe to be Russia. Uh, there's another passage in Revelation that talks about an army 200 million strong coming out of the east. That would obviously have to be, be China. And so when you're looking at it from the point of view of where we stand in scripture, you go, my word, are we that close? But just in the just in the natural sense, Russia Russia knows how weak Joe Biden is. They know he's not. They know he's not in control, uh, and they're going to keep pushing. And they're probably going to invade the Ukraine. China and Russia today they showed Putin uh, and Xi together at the Olympics, and they said they've now formed a new alliance. And China backs Russia's view on the Ukraine. So we're we're basically getting squeezed out because we have a a, a coward at the White House. Uh, I, I, I'm scared to death with him in the White House. 
Yeah, I am too. I think a coward would be a benevolent term. I, yep. I see things as a much more coordinated and orchestrated than that. I, I don't think he, I think he is a puppet, but, exactly. uh, but the forces behind him, I think are very aware of what they're doing and I, yeah. I'm not in favor of it. Yeah. Amen. I agree completely. Yeah. So what are some of the uh, obstacles you feel like you might be up against? Well, anytime you're running against an incumbent, Mm -hmm. the the parties themselves like our our GOP here they don't want to get behind an end you know but behind another candidate mm -hmm. and so they're real cautious that way uh in in my situation I'm I'm going to be in one or two districts 11 or 12 depending on the final redistricting if mm -hmm. I'm in 11 I'm, I'm against Webster who's been in for 40 years the man, honestly, if you watch him in house hearings now, he has to read word for word looking down. He makes grammatical errors that don't fit the context of what he's saying. He looks a little bit better than Joe Biden. But if I switch over to 12 to Gus Bilirakis, Bilirakis has voted for red flag gun laws. Uh, he just voted with 80 other Republicans to back the Democrats on H.R. 550, which allows the CDC and the NIH to form a data bank of people who have or have not been vaccinated. And you know, whenever the government forms something like that, it's not for good. And, and in my case, me and my whole family have not been vaccinated. We've all had COVID. I honestly would have died if it had not been for the ivermectin that I got from the frontline doctors. I was very close. My, my O2 was at like 83, 84. I was struggling to breathe. I took the four of them and within hours I could feel changes. And that was after like 15 days of having COVID. Wow. But but there's so many things. So I had a friend right after that call me wanting, where did I get it? And I was trying to help him to order it from the frontline doctors, but you had to text to the phone number that they had up and he kept trying to call it. And he was so far gone that he really wasn't comprehending. He ended up in the hospital. He was in there for two weeks. He begged them for ivermectin. They refused him and he died two weeks later. There, there are people all over who have died because it's been disavowed. Um, there's, a, there's a doctor in, in Ocala. I wish I could get you in touch with him. He worked on President Trump's team with Tony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And I, I was listening to him speak at an event a few weeks ago. He said when it first happened that Peter Navarro was able to get a friend to manufacture 60 million hydroxychloroquine tablets, but, but Fauci got the fellow who did the paperwork to make it where they had to be given from hospitals, and then, and then hospitals made it not part of their protocol, so they could have them in the hospital, but they wouldn't give it to you. Had it have been where you could have got it, like at a Walgreens or something, there would be a lot of people alive today. There, there are a lot of people right now that I, I, I'm believing that in 10 years, there's going to be a vaccine remorse like you've never seen. People who, who have gotten sick, people who have died, uh, heart attacks, a lot of different things. The spike proteins don't just go in your arm. They're released in your body and they release billions of them. And they go at things like capillaries, veins, you know, arteries. So they're going to be people are going to be dying with heart conditions. Oh, yeah. Well, we're already seeing it. As much as they're trying to cover it up, we're already seeing it. Um, and it is really, really tragic and devastating. I, what bothers me so much is that, you know, the honorable thing to do would be if these people really were innocent to come out and start admitting that there was a mistake and that, you know, action should be taken and that this is not what they anticipated 
and the the results are way more uh, detrimental than they could have ever foreseen. Unfortunately, I think that it is much more sinister than that. I think they knew, and we have lots of evidence to support that. You know, the Moderna studies in 2017 were atrocious. Um, yeah, they were really, really scary. And so, and the, the, these uh, injections have been in development for, you know, in some variation for, you know, well over, you know, almost two decades. So, yeah, so we, we have a lot of evidence that, you know, it was not looking good. I'm not really sure uh, why anyone in good faith would continue to proceed. Yeah. I'm hoping if that Republicans who retake the House, and I'm sure we're going to, actually, I'm going to tell you this, I believe it's going to be in record numbers bigger than we've ever seen in the history of our nation. Mm -hmm. If I, if I'm right, they're, they're going to be doing a lot of investigating and, and things like the whole COVID thing, whether it came from China, uh, how much Fauci had to do with it, you know, how much of the research was the, was the wrongful type. Uh, that really is going to have to be brought out. And again, people are going to have to pay. We're, we've got to get away from this. You, you commit a crime, but we feel sorry for you. So we let you go stuff. Uh, yeah, seriously, really. We definitely need to move away from that. Um, I was going to ask you about... Uh, Oh, so what do you you think that in 22 it's going to be uh, a red wave? Is that what you were saying? I, I believe, honestly, and this is my gut feeling, mm -hmm. but everything inside of me says we're going to see a bigger number than we've ever seen in the history of our nation before. I'm listening to people that are Democrats that are telling me I'll never vote for that guy again. I'll never vote for my representative again. Independents have, have jumped far in numbers over to, to the right. I really think, I, unless they cheat and steal, I think the world is going to be blown away by how many people really do have a brain in America and still use it. And still use it. Um, let's hope so. Um, what uh, you, what do you think about the uh, the fraud and the cheating? Do you, what what is the likelihood that there will be? Uh, election. I, I think it'll be harder. I know a lot of states, including our own, have passed legislation. I don't think ours went far enough, but at least it moved in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But we're going to need a whole lot of poll watchers that, that are willing to call things out when they see it, not just sit there and not do it. Uh, we're going to need forensic people who are going to be able to pick it up quick. I, I wish there was a way of jamming the internet that you could just jam it so it wouldn't happen. But I mean, we're, we're running the risk that they'll still try. They're going to still try to go with the, the drop boxes, dead people voting, people uh, who are registered in two or three places. And we're just, they're going to have to be clearing the voter rolls. And a lot of states are doing that now, but not enough. It really is going to take like an, an immense amount of work to make sure that it's, it's a safe election. Yeah, for sure. So those are some of the actions that you think uh, on the state level need to be taken. Yeah, every state needs to do it. I, I'm disappointed that all of the research that was done in Arizona and, and Georgia, some of the other places never, never got the light of day. Uh, it, it amazes me Hunter Biden's laptop is running around for three years and yet nobody you can watch the ads on TV with the immorality, but the FBI can't seem to figure that out. Uh, I just don't trust the three letter agencies. Uh, and, and, and the worst part about that is they're the ones who can shut us down or they can do a lot of the, the dirty work. But I, I think there's still enough good guys left 
that are mad. And, and just, just an example right now, the truckers in Canada, if our American truckers get behind, I think people are finally finding their spine, their spine. They reach behind themselves and realize they really have a spine. And they're starting to, to rise up. And if enough people do it, I, I believe the, it'll make it a whole lot harder. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I'm curious your thoughts on that in terms of, you know, I, I very much support what's happening, sorry, um, what's happening in uh, Canada. But uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what's going on here and why I, I feel like we're kind of lagging behind in the uh, rising up department, right? No, uh, big time. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on that and uh, what can we do about it? I posted today to the truckers of America. Mm -hmm. Guys, get, get your act together. Your brothers are up there fighting a the battle. Don't leave them to die on the battlefront. Get out, start doing it. I wish to God they would circle the Super, the Super Bowl stadium and shut the game down. I mean, you then you'd see all of the people out there screaming. I put another video out that I told people, listen, if there's no food on the shelf, don't complain. This is to, to get freedom back. If you got to go a couple of days without, you know, your favorite food, suck it up, buttercup, because we need to, to shut it down and get it right. We, Americans have got to realize what we're losing yeah. before we before we ever fix what's broken. Yeah, no, it's you know, a... you know, you asked before, and I, I, I'm going to just back up a little. You asked before about what the obstacles are when you run. Yeah. Let me be honest with you. When, when a person like myself steps up and run, what the first thing I heard is, oh, you're going to need like 500 to a million. You'll never get that money. You can't do that. You can't do this. I, I told people plainly, if out of 330 million people, 100,000 Americans would give $5 the price of a cup of coffee and send it, I'd have a $500,000 budget. $5 out of 100,000 people out of 340, 30 million people, I told him, I said, in Florida, if 260 Floridians would take 10 petitions from me and get them signed, I'd have the 2,600 petitions I need to get my name on the ballot. They make things look impossible. They're not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. And you know what? I really want to speak to that. What's so powerful about that is that people take don't take action because they think that their voice doesn't matter. They yep. think that they can't do anything. But if everybody took a small step, like whether yep. it be signing the petitions, whether it be donate, uh, you know, forego their cup of coffee that morning or whatever it may be, you know, these are things that people, many people do have within their purview to be able to do. Um, and so that's something they can do. And I think no, it's and, really empowering for people to hear that, you know, it actually makes a difference. We just need more of it. <laughs> we need. Yeah, I mean, ju just imagine, just imagine out of the whole nation, 100,000 people. I mean, you reach in your wallet, you you spend $5 for a hot dog. Right. So, so okay, I gave a hot, a hot dog up. And now we have a congressman in Congress who's fighting for our nation. Because people forget, you represent a district, but you make rulings for the nation. You mm -hmm. know, and that, that's got to be remembered. Yes, that's very profound. Say it again for people. You, people, when a, when a person runs for Congress, you run representing a district, but you make laws and legislation that, that control the whole nation. And if people would only, I, I tried to tell our, 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 our OG here that if they would only get behind doing what I said for all of the, the, the grassroots candidates, 
Find 100,000 people and mail them $5. Find 260 people in, in the whole state that would make get 10 petitions signed. Some people have 10 people in their family. I got six kids, my wife and I, we've got eight right here. You know, it, it, we could have positive candidates all over the nation. There's a, a candidate here named uh, Anthony Sabatini. Uh, he's in our state house right now. I was up in Tallahassee yesterday at our Capitol for the constitutional carry rally. Anthony is a loner in, in the house. They won't, they won't do anything with him. And he keeps putting up the right bills, but they won't back him. But he's running for Congress. If he gets elected, he's going to be right up there with the best that we got fighting battles. Wow. So he's putting up bills that they won't back. Is that what you're saying? He put up a, a, a constitutional carry bill that uh -huh. first, it, first it addresses open carry, which means you carry open, but then constitutional carry, you don't need a, a, a permit or anything because you have the right to own a gun. You're a citizen. And one person, <laughs> one person in the entire Florida House has backed, has supported or endorsed that bill. There's a lot of them that will come to him quietly and whisper and say, hey, I'm behind it, but I, I can't do it because you're in bad standing with our with our, our house chairman. Uh, it, it just it's wrong. And that that kind of that's you see in our national government. If Pelosi and Schumer don't put something forward, bills die. They never come to light a day. And it, it's got to stop. Wow. So wait, what do you mean he's in bad standing? What, what does that even mean? He's extremely outspoken, not not afraid to speak his mind. And Chris Falls is our our House Speaker, and he calls him the milk toe uh, milk toes. Sorry, you froze. He calls him the what? Uh, rhino, and the Chris isn't real happy with. And so Chris has told Chris has told everybody kind of to ignore him, and and they fall in line like little foot soldiers. They they're calling him a milk toast rhino. No, he, he no no the opposite way around. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. I put a video up today of him talking gotcha. yesterday, and and he he calls them out. He, he tell them the rhinos. You know, we got to get rid of the rhinos if we want. He said they don't. He's a lawyer, and he'll tell you they don't care about our constitution. They don't. You know they're they're based, doing things wrong. Yeah, we can see that based on the results. Absolutely. Um, and we need more people who are calling them out. And we, we need to clean out the rhinos. We need to clean out the establishment uh, people. And we need to clean out the people who are uh, globalist sympathizers. Here's another interesting one here. We have a, a Green Beret retired uh, fellow, Jeremy Brown. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Brown was approached by the FBI to be an insider on January 6th. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't go with him. We told him no. But he went to to D.C. on January 6th, never entered the Capitol, but he's been arrested in Pinellas County and been in jail for months. Uh, he's being defended, but he, he's actually running for a state seat from the county jail. He, he is bold. He's outspoken. But these are the heroes that are standing up and doing the work that's got to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So those are some, what are some of the things that are uh, in this process that have surprised you either positively or negatively? I'll tell you this, in a couple of the counties and, and unfortunately I'm probably gonna be shifted to District 12, but in District 11, I've had two 
of the REC leaders, the top leaders say to me, listen, we can't endorse you from our position as you are, but mm -hmm. we want you to know that we're a hundred percent with you, which means a lot because they would have a lot of, a lot of input. I, I think the endorsement by general Flynn might've been one of the biggest shockers because his brother, Joseph and I are friends on Twitter. And mm -hmm. after a while, after a while, I said to him I, in a private message, I, Joseph, what's the opportunity, you know, what's the chance that your brother would endorse me? He said, well, I'll put you in, son, in trust with his son and you can go from there. Put me in trust with the son. They set up a date. I gave them all the information, my webpage, videos that I've done so they could they could go back to 2004 and see me from way back then. And when General Flynn called, I'm gonna, it was as comfortable as the conversation you and I are having right now. He immediately let me know. He said, I've, I've checked you out. You're a patriot through and through. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm completely behind you. You've got my endorsement. Got a beautiful letter from him declaring it, calling it out. Uh, I don't know. Do you remember Tim Donnelly from California? Of course, yeah. Tim, Tim just endorsed me yesterday. Tim and I have friends from way back. I'm trying to get Gina Loudon. She won't give an inch. Uh, but she would be a big help if she would endorse me. But, uh, you know, different ones oh, like her. That. Yeah, that would be wonderful. She told you know, me I, I've asked Anne-Marie Burrow because I did a lot with the politics when they were doing yeah. a lot of work. And, you know, that's the kind of thing. If people of that character who are trusted would step up and just say that, uh, even if they didn't endorse it, said, I know him to be a person of integrity, person of, you know, Valerie fights for the nation. Yeah. It, it would it would carry far. Of course, of course. And I think that that's a. You know, that's a small thing that people can do, and especially people who already know you, that, that yeah. absolutely, absolutely should. Yeah. So um, what are some of the things that, so you're, you're in Florida. What do you think about some of the things that are working in Florida that could possibly be uh, executed throughout the country? Our governor. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. We have got the best governor in the United States. We have been probably a year and a half free. I mean, we we I I don't remember. The only time I wear a mask in Florida now is when I go into my doctor's office because they require it. I have not worn a mask in forever. He did. He he was first up on the monoclonal uh, antibodies. Uh, the president has now cut us off and and cut them out that we're able to get way back. Our schools have been open for forever. Our churches have been open for forever. You know, when, when they arrested Dr. Rodney Howard Brown uh, for opening his church, Rodney Brown is a good friend of mine. He's another one. Last time I ran, he came down and actually spoke at our church on my behalf. Uh, when they shut him down, the governor went right to back got you know got our churches lined up where that can't happen again there was a, a gym owner over on the, on the east coast of florida who yeah. because of covid they shut him down and they arrested him governor desantis uh you know abdicated him of you know he, he cleared him of all charges uh and set him free he's right up front he's not afraid of anybody uh he he has the courage to do what's right uh, and he's he's not somebody that i mean in florida the way we feel about it is like don't run for president in 2024 we want you for four more years as governor then you can run we <laughs> love him we love him uh christine Peshaw, his sec uh press secretary and i are friends uh when when somebody's trying to pick on her on twitter i jump on them you know you, you just need that kind of line line of power in our government we, we we've got the best 
Yeah. So you, since you brought up 2024, what are your thoughts there? I would, I, this is my personal feeling. I believe we owe it to President Trump. I believe he put up with more garbage than anybody in our lifetime. I'm going to be honest. I've counseled for 37 years how he endured the withering of the Democrats, of some of our own Republicans, of national people abroad, and still accomplish what he did is it's incredible. And I feel like we owe it to him to give him that shot, uh, whether he picked DeSantis as a vice president or if DeSantis stayed as governor and then at the end of Trump's term ran. Uh, if DeSantis ran and he won, I would obviously I would back him. I, I, I love the guy. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, I truly would like to see the president uh, have that that chance again. So I, I I'm going to ask the you know really touchy question, <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts on his uh, you know uh, unrelenting stance on the the jabs? I, I, I I'm going to be honest there too. I, I think a little bit of it's pride. I I I don't I I don't like that he does it, but I understand a little bit that he acted so quickly when yeah. it first happened. And if, if the jab had been successful, he'd be a hero because how quickly he got that into place. I wish now he would acknowledge that there's a lot of things that aren't as what we thought. Right. Uh, and we could still give him credit for the, the rapid way that he responded, the, the, the way they got it done. But I, I like at least that he says he doesn't want to see anybody uh, mandated to do it because at least he's saying nobody should ever do that. But I, I wish he would, I wish he could back away from uh, the, because I mean, I know people who've got the, the jab and have had all kinds of physical ailments. I know people who've had family members that have died. So it, it, I, I have a real hard time. I think of a poor guy who didn't get COVID, but got the jab and died from the jab. I do too. I know several. Um, I, I agree with you. I do think pride is a huge element. Um, I think that it, it is concerning to me though. I know so many people who took it because of him. Um, he is really unrelentless about, you know, pushing it and, you know, taking credit and, you know, you can separate two things. I think it is possible to, you know, acknowledge the execution yeah. of a uh, process and a system, which he did, you know, phenomenally, and it was truly impressive. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that was his business acumen that really lent itself yeah. to being able to work those deals and be able to execute with just speed, Operation Warp Speed, you know, yeah. um, and I, that I think absolutely deserves credit. And I think that that was, uh, you know, something that very few people could have possibly done. And he absolutely deserves credit for that. But you can separate, you know, yeah. what is it that what was the result of that? And, you know, the, the processes that you executed could be applauded. That doesn't mean that, you know, this particular product needs to be applauded. So I, I really do wish that, you know, even if I, I recognize, you know, people are flawed and everybody's got their, their thing and their Achilles heel. And I actually think for him, his pride is both his strength and his weakness. That's just my personal opinion. I, I think his pride and his, uh, you know, uh, we'll just call it narcissism for, you know, lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and I do think there is an element of that, but I think it is, it served him. I think it's part of why he could withstand uh, so much vitriol, why he could, uh, whether, you know, all that criticism and, you know, some of the, the tactics that were thrown at him that many people would not have been able to 
uh, you know, go through and uphold, uh, be able to withstand. And I think a lot of that is because of it. And then the flip side of it is that, you know, he held on to the accomplishment that is not panning out so well. And he also held on to people uh, thinking that they were serving him because he just, it was a blind spot. And I, I think part of that was the, the pride and the ego and he wasn't able to see through that. Um, yeah, I, I, think he, I think he got beat up so much in so many ways that he didn't want to lose the credit of having acted quicker, gotten something done faster. I'm not sure Fauci and them all gave him all the data that they needed to give I, him. I was going to ask about that, yeah. Yeah, I, they, there's something very sinister about that whole thing. And I, I, I think, in essence, it maybe they had gotten the data saying the things didn't go so well, and that data just never made it to his ears. Yeah, I mean, in all fairness, it's not his area of expertise. I think he's an exceptionally bright man. I actually really do. Yeah. He's, you know, started, but he's not a scientist. And so, you know, for him to weed through that and know what to sift through on his own, it's, it's that that's the why he has hired these people to do that yeah. job. Um, and those people certainly were not serving him or the American people. I think that's pretty clear at this point. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, that being said, uh, you know, I do think, you know, on principle, I, I, I personally, I can tease out, you know, what I want to happen and what I think on principle is the right thing to do. And I do think, you know, uh, if he chooses to run, I, I think he has a really good chance if he chooses. Although I, I do too. Have you been to any of the rallies? Hmm? Have you been to any of the rallies? I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I, I've not never been to any place as invigorated as oh, a Trump yeah. rally. I mean, the MAGA movement, I, I, I'll say this too. I mean, I think the movement is arguably uh, more significant than, you know, not, not to undermine the things that he's done. I think he's done some tremendous things for the country, but I, I think the movement itself is what is so, uh, I, I think it's so valuable. And I think yeah. it has a major impact and uh, a potentially uh, hope for the future of the country. But my question that I was gonna ask you is that be, given his stance and given how much it has divided people, I mean, there are people who are die high hard supporters, myself included, I, I definitely, it's given me some you know, misgivings about him um, moving forward because that is such a, a precipice for the future of the freedom of our country. Um, what are your thoughts about what that would mean if he were to run? And do you think he is now more aware? Or do you think that if he were in that position that maybe he would back down some of his stance? I, I don't know, what are your thoughts on any of that? <laughs> yeah, my, my honest opinion is that he knows that it didn't go well. And I think he's a, he's a quick learner. I think he would steer away from doing anything like that going forward. A little bit of the pride would keep him from ever acknowledging the first part of it, but I think it would drive what he does after that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really, I don't see anybody who would come on the scene right now that could draw people together with the, the power that he draws people together. Uh, and and I, I think our nation became a better place mm -hmm. because of the, the heart of people that, that woke up. We were tired of having people go there, not do what needed to be done. Our voice didn't have a voice. 
And I think now we realize that to a large degree we do when we get out in numbers and, and speak. Uh, I, I, I think that's an issue he'll have to face. He'll be attacked on that issue. But I, I think he'll respond in a way that'll at least uh, temper the, the changes in people's views. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I really do hope so. I do, it is looking like he is going to uh, be the candidate. So uh, it, I, I think he has said he would run. So it is certainly looking that way. And I don't think there's going to be much competition. So and, and like I said, I mean, DeSantis could. I, I really hope Mike, Mike Pence doesn't because I... And I'm a pastor. Mike is a professed Christian, but I I saw things in that time that really set me back with with Mike Pence. And I I truly believe, according to what the the, reg, the regulations are on it, that it, I think it was something like if there were two people in the House and two people in the Senate that opposed that vote that day, that he could have called for it to be delayed and, and counted. I, I it just January sixth just looked like a setup. Uh, I I saw. I have video somewhere. I got to find it of a bunch of guys in complete black entering the building with, with, you know, bags of equipment. And then a few minutes later, opening the doors and people coming in, I saw one area where the cops allowed them in and ushered them in and other areas where they fought them tooth and nail, almost as if they wanted them to go in this way and not that way, because they already had set up Ashley Babbitt. What happened to her, that cop not being charged, uh, is one of the most shameful things that I've seen out of the whole mess. The lies that, that one of the cops died by getting hit over the head with a fire extinguisher, it never happened. They, they're they still using people like that as, you know, the cops that died that day uh, with the way our nation runs right now, the ones who've committed suicide since, I'm often wondering if they didn't oppose what was going on and they weren't given a Hillary Clinton tour or something. You know, I just don't trust this current government. I yeah well with good reason there's a they, they haven't shown themselves to be all that trustworthy as as of late um I'm not sure for how long they have been but I think it's certainly coming to the surface now yeah we, we're seeing it now yeah for sure what do you, what do you think about that do you think that that uh is a sign of tides turning do you think that uh more people are recognizing that and that what do you think the impact of that will be i i think because of videos that have come out since videos that they initially wouldn't allow to be released there's the one of the woman in the in the tunnel who was knocked down she's being beaten by uh by uh the police the dc police she's unconscious the, the crowd's trying to get them away they grab her by her ankles and drag her back into the building and i'm going like i mean that's mafia style murder uh, there's there's so many videos of cops punching people and beating people. Something really wrong happened that day, and it wasn't. I, I tell people, number one, if you if you, you I'm sure you've been to the Capitol building. I, I've been there a lot of times because I used to go every year with the with the Family Research Council. People were walking through the rotunda, through the through the barriers. They were respectful and polite. Yeah, some people broke windows and ding things, but there's some of those people I believe were government people or Antifa or BLM. My take is there were about two million people or so there that day. If their true goal was to overtake the government, nobody would have escaped that building alive that day. They weren't, they were there to do what Trump said, go and peacefully let your voice be heard. A handful of people got stupid and followed some bad examples, 
But that was not an insurrection. If that were an insurrection, we would not be having the government that we have today. Exactly. I, I, I always joke about how, you know, they keep saying it was an armed insurrection. I'm like, what were they armed with? Cell phones? <laughs> like, it was like a scenic tour. The, they would move the velvet ropes and then people walk in and they're all like, ooh, and they're taking pictures. Of Taurus, Taurus. Yeah, exactly. A scenic tour. Here, here's something interesting to you on a different point. We were at the state capitol yesterday. Mm -hmm. My friend had a Gadsden flag on a little wooden pole. He's also carrying a nine millimeter clock. He was able to go into the Capitol with the nine millimeter clock as long as he had a, a concealed carry card, but he couldn't bring the stick. And I'm thinking, Wait, what? what in the world? You you could bring a, a nine millimeter in, and, and we went right to the governor's office. You can bring a nine millimeter clock into the building, but you can't bring a flag on a stick. And I thought that that, that speaks to government. Wait, a flag? He couldn't bring a flag in? Because the flag was on a little wooden pole. The pole was about five feet tall. So he couldn't bring the pole, the stick, into the building. And yet, and at the same time, another lady could bring in a cane because she said she needed a cane. I'm thinking, there's no consistency here. That is so incredibly, like... Moronic and nonsensical. Wow. But that's government. That is government. Wow. Did did anybody notice that? Like the like, I mean, did this happen at the same time? Was it one right after the other? Or oh, you're frozen. You're frozen. Oh no. Are you there? Are you there? Right, oops, because oh, there you are. I lost you. Sorry, you froze. Okay, one we we went. Are you are you getting me now? Yes, yeah. Okay, we went in with the petitions that we signed. One went to the governor, one went to the head of the senate, one went to the head of the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so we brought piles of petitions in them saying, Look, we want this done right away. What was interesting when we were on the steps, one of the gun right advocates, the the uh uh, guys that do the pushing for it, gave everybody the private cell phone number of the senator that was holding it back. And he had all of us text them at once and say, hey, we want constitutional carry passed. So when we got into the building and we were outside his office, he came out and he said, I've got to go to a meeting. And he hurried by us like we didn't even exist. But it, it was kind of humorous because I thought, what was it like when your phone blows up and you've got 350 people calling you, telling you to pass the bill? Wow. Yeah. And so did, did you ask them that or? We asked him. He didn't answer. They, they, one, of the, one of the guys who were the, the legislators asked him that, said, where do you stand? And it was crickets. He just kept on walking. Wow. Wow. What, what is the likelihood that that might pass? It, it doesn't look good currently uh, because Chris Rawls, the House Speaker, is holding it up. But mm -hmm. we are trying, we're trying to bring enough attention to it right. that his hand is, I've actually gone with email to the, to the governor and said, look, you know, in, in Georgia, the, the governor there came out and he said, point blank, I want that bill on my desk mm -hmm. and the legislator passed it. You know, Governor DeSantis, you're bold, you're brave. This is one more battle to fight. Come out and say you want it on your desk and then let's watch them get in line and, put, and bring it out. It, they're, they're, states like Maine and Massachusetts 
have have congr congressional carry, and yeah. we don't have it in Florida. Wow, interesting. It, it, it's strange. I mean, it, it's yeah. we're we're as southern as you get. Yeah, right for sure. Well, parts of Florida feel southern. <laughs> I feel like the <laughs> southern part of Florida doesn't feel very southern. But no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you have twenty one uh, initiatives on your. Uh, my, yes, ma'am. Um, if you had to pare them down, like the the top five, I'm going to ask you the two prong question. So uh, the top five most important, and then the top five most realistic. Okay, most important would be you know election integrity, secure the border, pro life legislation, uh, pr protect our vi our veterans and 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 military and and mandates uh most realistic uh probably because of the gas crisis would be to open the pipeline uh maybe establish school choice because there's a lot of parents that are upset over what's going on mm -hmm. uh term limits isn't in there that's not going to make it uh i we did a little bit of election integrity but that's not really there Maybe creating opportunity zones where where people in areas that are, that are suppressed are able to start businesses. I think I think those would be the ones I I thought had the most realistic chance. But yeah. I I am if I get elected, I'm going to push every single one of them every yeah. day that I'm I'm in the in the house. Good, yeah, we, we need that. Yeah, you know when when you go through the list, it, it address. I try to tell people if I had a car and I had a flat tire, I was out of gas, my radiator had a, a leak, my windshield wipers were broken, it was raining out, I wouldn't fix one of them, I'd fix them all. And we have to go through these things and, and get them in order. Uh, and, and in some cases, get rid of the Federal Department of Education would be critical to getting anything done in the states with school choice and stuff. The, the federal government is not, there's nothing in the, the enumerated powers that give them any grounds uh, for trying to be involved in education. Same thing with vaccines. So there is nothing. I say, you know, I, I have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, life is my life. I do what I want. Liberty, my choice, whether or not I want a, a vaccination. My doctor gets mad. I, I've never had a, va a, a uh, flu vaccine. I, I just have never had them. My God gave me an immune system. It's got me through, and, and I'm good to go with that. When my time is up, I'm good to go with that. Right, right. Yeah, I, and there, there are definitely complications with that one as well. The, yeah. Yeah, they're not talked about, but they, there are. So. And, and, and don't hesitate to ask anything, because my, my goal through this whole thing is to answer every question without dodging. Uh, I'm big on the, the whole pro-life issue. I, I believe we have the opportunity to find the undo Roe v. Wade and, and to throw it back to states where every state has that that choice, because I think most states today would would go pro life. Do you? Interesting. So I don't know how familiar you are. I I had like a huge argument actually with my mom on this issue. Um, yeah, I think I I posted it, and uh, yeah, it's very very dear to me. Um, you know, and uh, we we took a very different stance, and it. Interestingly enough, because it involved my situation, you know, I was uh, considered a wrongful birth case. 
And uh, so the doctor was dyslexic. I don't know how much you know about my story, but you know, the doctor was dyslexic. I just know you're a good gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I was born with congenital rubella and uh, they, the doctor was dyslexic. He read the titer wrong. He read it be, as being 112 and it was really 121, meaning I was affected. Um, and so if he had read it correctly, they would have advised uh, an abortion. So I would not be here. So I'm very grateful for his mistake. Oh, hallelujah. And so, yeah, I am. But, uh, you know, I was rendered with several complications. Like I'm blind in one eye, wear bilateral hearing aids. I had heart surgery when I was a year old. I was born with hypertonic limbs, asymmetrical bone development, fine graphic motor impairment, all sorts of problems. But, uh, yeah, so the they did when they finally uncovered what happened they did you know sue it was considered a wrongful birth case um so because it was the state of new jersey and uh that that was the alternative so um but it's interesting because you know the argument was that one it was going to be really detrimental for the republicans you know and they should not be harping on this case uh and that number two that you know the that abortion should be allotted for uh, cases of disability. So my my feeling on that is that, you know, one, it, it's, you don't make laws for the outliers, you know, <laughs> regardless of what your thoughts are on that, you know, you can make exemptions, you can make amendments to laws, but you don't make a law for the outlier. You make a law and then you deal with the outliers. So, yep. uh, you know, that's something I feel very strongly about. Um, but I also just from a more spiritual perspective, don't, I'm, I don't personally, this is not a judgment on other people, uh, but I don't personally think that, you know, it's for me to decide whose life is worthy. Um, you know, I don't know that I feel, I certainly don't feel that my life is less worthy just because I don't have two eyes and two ears. You, you have no idea how that's not, that wouldn't be accurate. I am so thankful that that, I believe God put a dyslexic doctor in the hospital. No, I mean, I, you don't know how many times I've had to deal with people, a situation like yours, Courtney, you've given so much to, to the world. I've followed you for years back on, on Facebook and uh you've given so much. If you would have if you would have been snuffed out, what a loss that would have been. And that and that's so many people. I wonder how many of the 60 million that were aborted would have come up with a cure for cancer or done something else. Uh, it, anybody today, if they see a 4D ultrasound. I believe any woman who's going to have an abortion should see a 4D ultrasound before she agrees to doing it, because I think once she saw that little baby moving around, mm -hmm. I think I think it would change a whole lot of hearts. We we pastored outside of Buffalo, New York, uh, for years, and and that's a big pro-life area. A lot of we outside the clinics all the time. I don't know how many women that I just got to talk with that when I sat down and got to talk with and explain to a groups that would help them, even if they wanted to put them up for adoption, how many women did not go forward and have abortions? That may be one of my favorite reasons for being on the earth today, that I had the opportunity in those situations. The doctor there was a doctor named Dr. Selepian. And he, one day he was coming out, he rolls his window down, he looks at me, he goes, you know, pastor, you're a fool. And I said, and, and why you call me that? He said, Pastor, when those girls are in my office, I'm God. Whatever I tell them, they do because they think I have all the answers. Mm -hmm. It wasn't another year or two later, some guy with a long range rifle took him out and killed him. And I'm thinking, well, if you were God, how come you're not on the scene anymore? You know, taking a life is, is a horrible thing to do. 
uh, and I, I, we had a, a family in our church. They were, she was in her late forties. He was in his early fifties and they became pregnant. And they, they asked me, what should I do? I said, God's, God's knitting that baby in the womb. Like you go forward and do anything other than that. You're playing God. And they didn't, they now have a beautiful 13 year old daughter. That's incredibly talented in, in music and other areas, you know? So, I mean, there's just too many people quick to say, you know, that'll be a hindrance, get rid of it. When they say my body, my choice, it's not their body. God has allowed a woman to, to be the vessel that he brings another life into existence, but they have their own heart, their own legs, eyes, all of that. I, I just, my, my sister at, at 18 had an abortion. She died in her late 60s. She was still struggling with guilt. As often as I told the grace, ask God, forgive you. God's a forgiving God. You know, you did something at a young age. You made a bad choice. I made a million bad choices. She died in her late 60s, still feeling guilty because of that. She would see somebody in her like late 30s or 40s on the street, and she would think if I hadn't had the abortion, they that would be what my son or daughter would look like. And, and it ate her up. Wow. I, I do hear the, those stories a lot. Um, yeah, but ultimately, you know, I certainly I have feelings on, you know, and I have opinions on it. But ultimately, you know, it boils down to the Constitution. It is a state's rights issue. You know, yeah. the states should have the right to decide. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that there, there will always be an option. I don't see California and New York, uh, <laughs> you know, no. saying, yeah. They'll go back to the coat hanger days. The where? Back in back prior to Roe v. Wade, women mm. would use a coat hanger. Yeah, to, but to, I don't to, see that that'll happen. I mean, no, I think, no, I, I yeah. just said that a little facetiously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what people say, and I'm like, no, you know, somebody might have to go to another state, um, or don't live in a state where you know they have those laws. That if you don't agree with them, you know that. Yeah. I, I didn't like the the laws that were and the mandates that were being pushed in California. That's why I moved. Uh, so I, I recognize it's not an easy thing to do uh, emotionally, financially, in a lot of ways. Moving is not easy, um, but there, you know, we make choices in life. So I think your choices have consequences. And so, exactly. yeah. So if you're living in a place where, so I, all that to say though, I, the Constitution dictates it, Roe v. Wade should have been. A, it should never have passed. It's a state's issue. Um, exactly. so, so while I am somebody who is pro-life, you know, it's really kind of irrelevant. I think, you know, it's <laughs> let the state decide and that's where it should go. I agree. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the other things that are like really important to you that you think might be controversial or that might be harder to gain? A I, I think, I think my view is with the, uh, the two A guys on constitutional carry I don't see why, I mean, there's so many states where that, there's like, I think 22 states where that's already legal. Mm -hmm. and, and you don't read about people walking down the street having duels and gunfights or anything like that. I always tell people, you know, you don't ever read about the millions that were killed at a, at a gun show. Nobody's died at gun shows. The people that are killing people are ones who have illegal guns and have grown up in homes without fathers and such and, and, you know they had no direction with it so that that's going to be a, a big issue i think voter rights i think id and things like that are going to continue in the, in the united states to be an issue 
the very thought that you it it's not within a black person's rights to get an ID is insulting to a black American. But that tends to be the view that the Democrats take is, well, they can't get the internet or they can't have an ID card. They're, they're too poor. And it's like, if I were a black American, I would be highly offended by that. When, when Trump first ran, he made a statement. He said, when I talk to the black Americans, I say, vote for me, what do you got to lose? When he said it, I turned to my wife, I said, that may one day be the most important term he's ever used. Basically, you, the Democrats, have you backed them from the 60s on, and all you got is a welfare check and Obama phone, you know, extended unemployment. You, you don't have a future. You know, they're, they're not pushing for school choice. They're, they're not pushing for opportunity zones. They like you right where you are. You're on, you're on the plantation in their, in their view. Uh, and and so I think I think those issues are still going to be very uh, touchy going forward. Yeah, interesting. I I, I wouldn't think that those should be uh, all that uh, controversial. But <laughs> I, yeah, what are your thoughts on the hopes for the future of the country? My take, honestly, is number one: we need God's help. Uh, I mean. Uh, Back in September, we flew up to D.C. for the for what was called the return. Uh, Rabbi Khan does a lot of the he did a lot of good series on things. He was over it. Several Christian singers, speakers were there. We had two hundred thousand people on the on the mall, repenting, doing what Second Chronicles seven fourteen says. You know, if my people that are called by name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and to keep our turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. If if we would genuinely begin to move back in that direction, uh, more people, even if they gave Christianity a little bit more space, I think you would see moral teachings of the Bible bringing people back to the right place. I, I've said for years, if they would take the Ten Commandments and put them up in the foyer of every school and never say a word, just let kids come in and read on it. Oh no, you froze again. Oh, you're frozen. Don't steal, don't covet your name. I used to I have that. froze right when you were talking about putting the Ten Commandments up. So, okay, yep. okay. I would, I, what I was saying is, I believe if they would put them up in every school in the foyer where you come in right there in the front, big, bigger than life and never say a word. Just right. let kids come in and see that honor your father and your mother, see that don't covet your, your neighbor's goods, see that don't steal, don't lie, don't kill. You know, seeing those, I believe would pierce their consciences at times. Maybe a kid's been really bad to his father and mother and he reads that and he realizes, wow, I'm, I'm pretty out of line. Nobody ever says a word, but I believe it has the power. I believe God's word has the power to begin to change lives. Uh, in Washington, D.C., in the Supreme Court, on the wall, they have the Ten Commandments uh, up there on the, on the wall. And one of the tour guys one time came out and somebody asked him what he was. And he said, oh, that's that's Moses showing the Bill of Rights. And it's like, no, that's not the Bill of Rights. That's the Ten Commandments. But he didn't even want to acknowledge it. 
Wow. Uh, we we need we need a spiritual renewal in our nation. I'm not saying everybody has to make this mass exodus, but I, I, when I look at homes today, when I look at Chicago and the kids being killed, so many of them kids, if they had a good dad in the home and, and doing right things by them, they would be alive today. But we've created an environment where a woman makes more money the more kids she has. And she kicks out the baby daddy and has the next guy and, and has another kid. Nobody's controlling where these kids are going and they're out there killing each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what you're saying about the Ten Commandments is so profound. So now, it, you know, the, there is no religion allowed in schools. There, There's a separation. Um, and But it's interesting to me to think about because it, 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 that's not necessarily forcing anything. It's really just a, you believe whatever you want to believe, but sure. here are, and I, I think that they're a, you know, it's a good moral code, whether you subscribe to any religion or not, whether you even believe in God or not, that's a good, yeah. you know, those are pretty, I agreed upon, you know, good things to, to abide by. Um, but I, I think it's interesting just how much, you know, it, it's arguable that a lot of what they do allow in the schools is, uh, I, I actually did a podcast with uh, James Lindsay yesterday, and he he makes this point, and it's a, it's a really astute point. Um, you know, I very much believe Marxism is a religion. I, yep, it is. That, that didn't, uh, you know, originate with him, but I that definitely believe that, and I think that I'm not in, you know, minority company with that. But yeah. what's interesting is that Religion is not supposed to be allowed in schools, and yet they allow Marxist teaching in schools. Yep. Yep. So I think that's something that should really be addressed. I think it's, uh, yeah. School boards are key. We're, we're fighting the battle here with the CRT and the gay agenda. We sure. we have the Moms for Liberty here in, in, in our county. Mm -hmm. and yeah, we here too. They just posted some pages from a book where it talks about a man who took a virgin, took her, her underwear off, did things with his hand, very immoral and very wrong. Uh, and, and they're describing it in detail. And it's a book that's on the shelf in our high school. And, and it's that kind of thing that, how do you think, you got a, you got a hormone raging young man and he reads that book and rather than seeing the immoral wrong he thinks i'd like to do that you know we're encouraging that kind of behavior with with the lgbtq community in florida there's a group called equality florida i've been involved in battles in three counties equality florida has been at every one of them they send transgenders there i i one of them wanted to put a knife in my back she spoke about my birth certificate says I'm a woman now. My driver's license says I'm a woman now. And when she got talking, I got up and I said, for 17 years, I served as chaplain for the fire department. And the last gentleman that spoke, I said, if they were in a house fire and they burnt to death, we would do a DNA test. And when it came back XY, we would have declared him a gentleman. And I, I knew that they, if they could have got up and choked me that day, they would have. But the, the whole... The mentality that a woman is and a mother, she's a, a, a baby bearer or whatever they call her, uh, that men can have babies. We're, we're talking about ridiculous insanity. Insanity. Absolutely insanity. Uh, yeah. And it is crazy making. And I think that is their intention. It is yeah. a destabilizing agenda. 
destroy the American family, destroy the God family, the godly family, the husband, the wife, the son, and the daughter. You destroy that. You destroy back when back when Oberfeld was before the Supreme Court and 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 ruled on. I I don't know. He said if if a man and his dog wanted to get married today, they could. If a man and his car wanted to get married, because once you describe, you take the description of a marriage as a man and a woman, it could be any two of anything. It could be any four of anything. You know, a guy could say, I want three wives. Well, how does it, how do you rule on that when it's his right to marry who he wants to marry? Right. Of course. Of course. So you were saying that you think uh, that we, we need some divine intervention? To, yeah. <laughs> that you think yes. That's- what are some things that people can do? Um, you know, ho- hopefully that happens. But if, well, in the meantime, what are some things that people can do to, uh, yeah, I guess save the Republic is really, yeah. What what you can see are like what, what parents, especially the Moms for Liberty, but what mm-hmm. parents like that could step up to do. Dran Reese out in, in San Diego has done a lot through the, the groups that she gets into churches. People doing the way I came to run in 2016, a man named David Lane came through to Orlando, Florida, and did a conference challenging pastors to get involved in any level of politics. Mm. And the only office I've honestly ever felt like I would do that well in is Congress. I, I have a good grasp of the government that way, and that's where my strengths are. So they asked, if you would do it, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. I didn't think I had anything to worry about. My my congressman at the time had been in for four years. I didn't see him going anywhere. About two weeks later, he announced that he was resigning. He wasn't going to run again. And I knew right then and there I was supposed to. And so in 2016, I, I began to run. And then Daniel Webster got redistricted out of Orlando. He was going to lose there. And so he jumped into uh, District 11. What I saw happening was I was the third cog in the wheel. I was taking a lot of conservative and Christian vote from him, and the more liberal candidate was going to win. So what I did was say, I don't, I don't want to be the Ross Perot of this race. So I got out of the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the desire that I should be in never went away. And, and there are times I question even why I got out the first time, but I thought I was doing the right thing. But there's, we've got a whole bunch of good candidates right now running for the school board. We've got a whole bunch of ones running for the state, House, and Senate. We, we've got to take county commissions. People, people who's never run, who feel compelled to, need to step up and run. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, we do need more people running, less people complaining and more people taking action. Um, and definitely people who are on the side of the Constitution, for sure. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I had mentioned to some people here over in the villages, villages are part of my, my current uh, district. I told them, I said, the first thing I would do when I got in was to try to pass a bill where for at least a minimum of 72 hours, if not longer, any law that was going to come before the House or the Senate to be heard would have to be posted online in a PDF for all the citizens to have the right to be able to go through before it ever was voted on so that we had time to call up and say, do not pass this bill. This is wrong. This is wrong. Uh, right now, the Nancy Pelosi theory, you got to pass the bill to find out what's in the bill. 
Uh, I mean, e even the vaccine, vaccine you got to take the vaccine to find out what's in the vaccine. We need a higher level of we the people having a voice in what's going on. We really do. Uh, the, the, with, with the jab, yeah. I have a friend who has like very, very severe allergies and she's actually d dug up all the ingredients and found that, you know, the thing she is very allergic, like anaphylactic allergic to yeah. in it. Um, she has a salicylate allergy. Um, and they flat out told her that she has to have an adverse reaction before they can give her medical exemption. Um, I think she's uh, been able to navigate since then, but it was really, really difficult. So my response was, so basically you have to die in order to get an exemption to prove that you can't that you that, that you really needed one. Yeah. Well, look, look what they're doing to our Navy SEALs. They're going to they're gonna remove them for not getting it. They're going to make them pay back like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that they used in training them. They have no right to do that. You know, they're, they're doing it to our, our military. There's, I was chaplain for the fire department for 17 years. There's a lot of the guys that tell me, Pastor, we, we don't want to take it. We're watching people that were carting out of houses that had the shot the day before that are now having heart attacks. The people in the know, the highest level of people who aren't getting it are the people who are in the sciences or in the medical field who know better. I know, I know. Um, yeah, the, the most the, the highest percentage of people not getting it are the PhDs. Yeah. And it is interesting that Congress is exempt from it. And the post office and, and other unions. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that that's definitely questionable. Yeah, I don't know what'll happen moving forward with that. What what do you think? What do you think with that? Because I think we're gonna see a lot more adverse reactions and how are they gonna handle that? I think the Supreme Court, number one, needs to rule on it very quickly. On a fight. They ruled a little bit. They did a little bit of dancing around it. They need to rule on it quickly, determine it, because I believe it to be completely unconstitutional. If that's put in place, it needs to stop uh, immediately. Something else they need to do is stop giving the protective rights to these vaccine manufacturers. You know, they've got caught blocks. They can kill you with whatever they want in an experiment and you can't do anything to them. There, there needs to be room for class action lawsuits where people can get redressing some of the things that have happened to them. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's true across the board. But, you know, most of them, they, they have impunity. Yeah. That's the Vaccine Compensation Act of uh, 1986, so. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was one. there was one doctor who had said, why would I quit giving them? I get $100 every time I put the jab in somebody's arm and I do 100 of them a day. And you just sit down and figure that math out 100 times 100 and I'm bringing that in every day. I, my question to them is what happened to the Hippocratic Oath? Yeah, of course. So I have one more question for you in terms of people when they're looking to uh, vet candidates. I think this is something people really need to be doing more diligently. What, yep. are, what is your advice to people who, a, a lot of people are just not very versed in politics. They don't know what to do. They either don't check the box at all or they just go down the line, right? So how would you, what would you, if, advice would you give? If you're doing it in a meeting like our 912 group, you know, vets, everybody, our, our, our conservative 
our Hernando County Patriots vet everybody. If you're doing it, write your questions down before you go so that you're not there trying to remember them. A lot of times in the tyranny of the urgent, you can't remember, but do not let them off. The moment they begin to veer away from the question you asked, snap them right back to the question and say, if you're not going to answer my question, you're going to lose my vote right here and now. Uh, you got to let them know you're not going to. That's why I said to you, you ask me anything you want. Yeah. Somebody may not like my answer, but what they're going to get is exactly what I believe and feel. Yeah. Until we have candidates again who believe what they're saying and they're not sticking their finger in the air and you're testing the wind, they've got to ask them the most difficult of questions. And and like I said, when I said it to you, I meant it. There was there's not. I I have my second oldest child is gay. I, I tell people that when I go around and talk that you know. Before somebody comes up and on the issue, let me know that I'll let you know my second oldest is gay. He's married a man. I, I don't agree with that. I love my son as much as I love my other five children. I have told my son I would stand in front of a, a bullet for him over my over his other five siblings because he's the only one that's not ready to meet the Lord uh, in that situation. I flew out to Pearl Harbor and spent a week on the USS Ronald Reagan sailing from Pearl to San Diego with him the whole time walking through why, telling him how much I loved him, making sure he knew there's not a matter of love. This mm -hmm. is something I believe is wrong in God's eyes and something I believe will eventually cost you eternity. We're too afraid to say the truth and we can't do that. Uh, I, I hear people all the time, well, you're just a hater. I would give my life for my son in a heartbeat mm -hmm. to make sure that he didn't die without getting his life right with the Lord. Uh, there's no hate there. There's an honest belief that a behavior is immoral, harmful, and damning. Wow. What is, uh, how does he respond to that? I'm going to be honest with you. He responds the way the, the whole LGBTQ community does. When I came back the day, we got back to San Diego. We went up the next day to, to Anaheim to a Yankee Angels game, had a ball, drove home. We talked the whole way home again. I cried in his car, bearing my heart, you know, had the night in the hotel, got up in the morning, kissed me, told me he loved me, drove me to the airport and has never spoken to me again. It's just that the guy that he's with, tells him your parents are bigots or this or that and he doesn't weigh out the reality of what we've shown him mm -hmm. versus what his his friend has told him we are yeah. and, and in the gay community it's all or none you either you either agree that we're all right or you're all wrong right right and it breaks my heart because over the years i've counseled a lot of folks that were gay i were able to help some to get on course others continued on but we never left with a bad relationship and it was never you know a fire and brimstone you know i'm going to put you in hell I, I tried to help them understand things in their life that might have led them to the place maybe one who was molested as a child by a relative or, or something like that mm -hmm. and you know you you try to steer them and 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 that's all you can do the old saying you can lead a horse to water but right. you can't make them drink it Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, people make their choices and they do what they think is right for them in that time. So, yeah. And all you yep. can do is uh, provide your perspective and shine light on what you, you see the truth to be. So, 
and, and love them and love them yeah. through the whole thing. I mean, that's that's what people don't realize. You don't hate somebody because you disagree with with something they're doing. Yeah, that is such a great point. I'm so glad that you said that because that is so true. And I, I do see that with, a, you know, it seems really hypocritical. You see it actually with religious people who are like, you know, really uh, hating on somebody for not being a believer. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem very... Uh, well, that one, that one group that came out of the Midwest that used to go to funerals for, uh, for military people and scream, your son deserved to die, you, you homo supporters. And it's like, where are you coming from? This guy gave his life for our country. Right. And you're there claiming the name of Jesus and, and, and talking with the tongue of the devil. Right, right. Yeah, no, you definitely love people, accept people, and uh, you don't have to agree with them. You don't have to agree with what they do. <laughs> you know, exactly. that doesn't mean you love them any less, you know? Yep. I, I don't think there's anybody who I'll agree with everything they do or say. Even my wife doesn't agree with her. My wife doesn't agree with everything I say. <laughs> exactly. you know, and, and, and I said all of that to, to you to say, we have to be that open and transparent mm -hmm. because one of the things that's helped me in ministry, every church I've ever shared, yeah. I shared my, my pre-salvation experience. I did drugs, alcohol. I lived immorally. This is who I was. Mm -hmm. You know, I should be dead, but God spared me, you know. And, and people would say, well, how can you do that without making people lose confidence? I said, it did make them lose confidence. It made them realize if you could stand up there as my pastor, you could. He, God can save my son or my daughter. God could change them. You, hiding things. And it was kind of funny because in Bible college, Mm -hmm. my wife at the time my girlfriend came home with me we went to an event at one of my old friend's houses with all of his relatives uh, and the mother of a girl that I used to date asked my wife do you know he used to sleep with my daughter uh, and my wife said yeah he told me and it, it just wiped her argument out she had no argument left right. it was like you know it was gone it was like well I guess that one won't, won't, won't make you you know change your mind <laughs> I just don't believe in lying. You know, we've got to be who we are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that lies are what have gotten us into this mess. Exactly. Uh, you know, and lies of both forms, the the obvious direct lies as well as the lies of omission. Yep. So I, I think that that's absolutely so that that's a huge part of my mission. You know, I think that the truth always matters. And uh, I don't claim to have all the answers or to always know the objective truth, but I think the, the search is a, a noble one and worthwhile. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, well, this has been awesome. I don't know if you have anything else that you want to uh, add or leave us with and definitely tell everybody where they can go find you and help support you. I, I think that would be the big thing in closing is my webpage is Jack Martin, M-A-R-T-A-N dot com uh, for congress dot com let me restate that that's my email it's jack martin the numeric number four congress.com if they could go and i mean if they would even donate five dollars like i said if i had a hundred thousand people the big thing for in my position is they they tell you if you don't have a hundred thousand dollars raised by the end of the first quarter they don't take you serious I, whether I have it or not, I'm not worried about it. I'm going forward and, and doing it. But if it just if people could hear that, if people lived in Florida, if they would go to my webpage, there's a link where they can click on it and get a PDF of, of the permission forms, the, uh, the petitions. 
they, they would get two petitions. All they'd have to do is sign them. If they live in Florida, anywhere in Florida, fill them out and mail them back to me. And I'd have two more petitions. So those are really the big things. The other thing is if they can share with people they know that a pastor who loves his country is running uh, and point them to my page, that would be a huge help. Right, I definitely will. I'll post all the links and yes, everybody should definitely go and support whatever they can for sure. Thank you. And I, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for even taking the time to do this. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing it. And thank you for running. Hey, Pat. It's good to finally good to finally talk to you in person from instead of messages online. I know, right? This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.